This Meeting on the Go podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Good afternoon, everyone. I was told to speak nice and loud, and that's something that I can uh, do quite easily. Um, My daytime job is working with middle school students. Okay, so I have to use that projection quite a lot. So if I need to be louder back there, just let me know, and I can handle that. Okay, so I'm Val, a compulsive overeater, and I am so glad to be here today, and I want to thank whoever gave my name to whoever it was to call me. I came here from Sacramento, Um, and it was a beautiful drive. It was a beautiful drive. I got to see the trees in bloom and look out over the ocean and see the bridges. It was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then also asking me to speak on Steps 1 and Tradition 1 because I have learned so much in just rereading those two steps in preparation for this morning. So thank you for asking me to be here. Okay, so I am a 100-pounder. Today I am 123 pounds from my top weight ever. Um, My top weight is 333 pounds, so I hit the triple three. That's the only triple three I've ever hit in my life, okay? And now I'm coming down for that. And that is in thanks to this program because um, the weight loss, as someone else said earlier, is kind of just a side effect of the shift that I've had in my life, in my spirit, Um, When I came in three and a half years ago on uh, November the 27th, actually I came in the month before, and I can remember going to my first OA meeting ever. I didn't want to go. I had gone online and researched um, OA and printed out the traditions and the steps and highlighted everywhere it said God, and I wasn't coming, (laughs) yeah, I wasn't coming to have anything to do with you religious fanatics, okay, and that is truly what I thought. Um, a friend pointed out to me that it says, a God of your understanding, give it a try. All right. So I went and I drove around the block three times and looked at the people going in, you know, just make sure you look like normal people. My, uh, first meeting was not the best. It was right before Halloween and everyone was obsessed with Halloween candy and I was obsessed with Halloween candy. And I thought, you know what, I can do that on my own. I don't need them to help me do that. But when I think about it now, I realize that the true reason I didn't connect was because the people who shared openly shared their emotions. And that is something I had never done in my life, that they could stand up and talk about the horrible things that were going on in their lives and share it in front of others. Because the house where I was raised in Those were the things that you never shared with anyone. Those were the secrets that you kept at home so that the rest of the world would think that you were perfect. Now, I could have thought that walking around with 333 pounds on my body would let everyone know that I wasn't perfect, but that's not how I saw it. Because when I judged myself against other people, I saw something different. So um, OA broke my, I'm going to say my denial very early in. Um, And was I powerless over food? Oh, my goodness. It was the disease of thinking about food, how to get food, where to eat it. I was a principal at a middle school at the time. I have always been very successful in my career. 
because one of my issues is I'm a workaholic. So I was a workaholic, a shopaholic, and a compulsive overeater. The first thing I did was I took away the food. I did it on my own a little bit before I came to OA. And then I came to OA and started hearing stories that I connected with. And I couldn't believe the things that happened to people in that brown book because um, had happened in my life. And I started saying, oh my goodness, look at this. So this is what's going on with me. I had no idea. I was 47 years old and had no idea of um, the impact that my past history had in my life until I started coming into the rooms and hearing other people share about it. I would work all day, take work home with me at night, and work all night. And then on the weekends, I would go shopping in the mall And my greatest delight was finding the cheapest bargain that I could. And I'm very good at finding bargains. And then when I needed a break, I would go to the food court and eat and eat and eat and eat. And then silly me, you know, my two favorite things were cookies and then that sweet treat. And the two locations were right across from one another. But I would go to one, go shop the whole mall, and then go to the other because I didn't want anyone to see me going from one to the other. And then I would buy a couple of those cookies. I'd buy maybe four and eat two right then. And then I would be in the stores eating, in the dressing rooms eating, 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 eating. Um, My bottom was ending up in a grocery store parking lot one Sunday evening, knowing I had to go back to school the next day. And I knew that I needed food to fix me. It was going to make me feel better because I'd already, you know, shopped and spent all my money and been in debt up to my ears, and I needed something to fix me. So I got in my car, and I thought, maybe I'd go to Trader Joe's and get my sweet treat, or maybe I'd go to Cold Stone, but I ended up in the parking lot of the grocery store, and I was going to go in and buy chocolate and vanilla ice cream and brownie bites and a hot fudge and whipped cr- all those things and eat it. And I couldn't make, I couldn't do it. I just sat there and cried. And my phone rang, and it was a friend who talked forever. And finally she asked me, where are you? And I told her where I was. She said, well, what are you doing there? And I told her what I was going to do. She said, no, you aren't. No, you aren't. You're not going to go do that. And I just started crying and crying and crying and crying. And for some reason that clicked for me because part of my history is I'm a school counselor, and I heard about, that was like an addiction, I said, oh my goodness, I'm addicted. That's an addiction. That's like an alcoholic wants their alcohol or a drug addict wants the next shot. That's what it was. And um, that revelation brought me to OA, and that's why I'm here. And that brought me to my higher power, which is the most loving, caring um, being in the world. Not the higher power that I learned about when I was little. My father um, became a minister at the age of 50 a Baptist minister, and that was part of my issue because they, and that's going to bring me to talking about tradition, the first uh, tradition, because um, my parents, we would go to church, and on the way home from church, we would talk about everyone in the church, what they should be doing. My father is the associate minister. He would talk about the minister and what the minister should be doing, about his wife and what she should be doing and what she should be wearing. She would, he'd talk about the Sunday school teacher and how they focused on the wrong lesson. And he would go on and on and on and on, he and my mother. And I thought, my goodness, that's church? I don't need that. 
I do not want anything to do with that. And when, as soon as I got old enough to say, I'm not going, I said, I'm not going. And so um, that was it for me. So now, Tradition uh, 1, which talks about unity. I am so thankful for that tradition because I'm going to tell you my second OA meeting was the 100-pounders meeting down in the San Fernando Valley in uh, Southern Cal. I walked in. I judged every person in the room the minute I hit the door. Uh, a woman gave me a newcomer's packet and a pen and told me to start writing down phone numbers. And I thought, who are you to tell me what to do? You know? And then um, a person came up and said, do you need a hug? And I said, yes, because, you know, I'm a people pleaser. And if you're going to offer me something, I'm going to accept. But in my mind, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is the weirdest woman in the world. And she's going to hug me? All right, I can do that. And then as people got up, um, as people were around the room, I looked at the guy, the one guy, with him, and I thought, he's here? He went, God, he's bigger than me. You know, and, and he says that he's been here for three years. What is going on with him? And so my point is that I judged absolutely positively everyone in that room. I did judge the speaker that night at the 100-pounders meeting. She had just lost 100 pounds, and she just glowed and beamed, okay, of recovery. She talked about how she had been in isolation, like I had been in isolation, Okay, she talked about sitting at home every weekend and eating and eating and eating with the blinds closed. I wasn't sitting at home eating. You know, I was out at the mall eating, but I was alone trying to do it all on, on my own. Um, she, talked about, uh, she talked about how she had a job and then lost a job and how that depressed that made her. And she was just this glowing, glowing person talking about the program and the good things that she got from the program. And that may gave me the idea that I should come back. So I'm thanking God in the, our belief in unity because while I was judging everyone else in that room, I was also completely accepted by them, completely accepted and loved by them. My first sponsor said to me that I am going to love you until you learn to love yourself. I didn't know that I didn't love myself. Okay, I honestly didn't know that because in my mind, I put myself up on this high pedestal above everyone else, which was something that I had learned um, from my parents. To this day, the discussion is about how much better we are than everyone else and how we know the right person. I actually took my mother to an OA meeting with me once because I wasn't going to church. Remember, there are religious people, and I thought maybe if she came and she heard about God, she would stop asking me every Sunday, did you go to church today? Okay. So I took her to a meeting with me, and she sat through the meeting, and she listened to everyone, and guess what happened on the way home from the meeting? Well, that woman, she got up and showed, she just needed to stop eating that. And why is she telling that? And why does this? And why did that woman have on that horrible skirt? You know. And to this day, I have a sister who uh, is now on. She's a legal commentator down in Arkansas for one of the TV stations. Okay, and they'll come and they'll ask her questions about whatever case is currently. And my mother's first reaction is, "Oh my God." Why did you have on that suit? Can't you wear, you know, don't you have better? Okay, instead of enjoying the 
and focusing on the things that we have in common. You have taught me about unity. Uh, part of my history is the whole um, coming out. I'm 51 now. I, at 47, I realized that I'm gay. And that was a big secret that I kept to myself. As a matter of fact, on this, and so I know this is going to be taped, this little form here, it has a box, and it says for you to check. As part of the bureau, the presentation may be designated as following. And there's a little box here that says gay and lesbian. I can't check that. I can't check that right now. And so that is something I'm going to talk to my sponsor about because I thought I dealt with a lot of these issues. But it's like I can, I can check that I'm a 100-pounder, and I can even check that I'm a minority person of color. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I check those. And the multiple addictions, I'm thinking about that because, you know, I haven't really gone to recovery for those things, for some other things. And then, Well, wait, I go to Al-Anon. Okay, so I can check that. Okay. okay, but the um, gay and lesbian uh, box, I'm not ready to check that. But the first time that I shared, I'm cold. The first time that I shared um, publicly that I am, am gay is at an OA meeting. And I can't tell you how many people came up to me afterwards and hugged me and understood my story and there was actually a woman who said well what made you figure that out can you give me a little advice I think I may be too and I'm like I don't think I'm the person to do that right now <laughs> but it made me realize that people in these rooms accepted me no matter what and I was the one that had the problem I was the one that had the um, concern um, as I look around the room and notice I said I checked off the um, minority person of color. Um, I'm Because of my background, I went to an um, elementary school where my sisters and I were the only black children in the school. And so it was a Lutheran school. Yeah, another God issue right there. <laughs> it's called the Lutheran Church of uh, Missouri Synod, and I now call it the Lutheran Church of Misery. Okay, but anyway, and I've been excommunicated from it and all those things because I haven't been going back. But um, I'm really colorblind, seriously, to a lot of things. I very rarely think that a person has an issue with me because I'm black. I would never, you know, that would be the last thing on my list. I have used that once in Best Buy when I was getting no service at all, and it was in a completely white area down in there. I said to the little guy behind the counter, Are, have I been waiting over here half an hour because I'm black? And he, his, he went pale, and I never realized the power in those words. I'm going to be honest with you. He went pale, and he called all these people to come and help him take care of me, and they actually helped me carry and load my things up in the car, all right? And more than, because I had said that to him. And so I never felt different from any of you because of um, my ethnicity, there are others, and actually I've counseled some other um, African Americans about how, you know what, you just have to get over that. And I know it's hard, and it sounds like I'm discounting you, but the end of, let's focus on the things that we have that are the same. And that's what Tradition One is about me. We're focusing on the things that we have in common. And if it's good for me, my um, food sponsor says, when she talks about the traditions, if it's good for me and it's not good for you, then it's not good. 
And she actually uses that with her husband. God bless her soul. You know, if it's good for her and it's not good for him, it's not good for either one of them. And they have to keep working to come up with their group conscience of where they're going to go, you know, in their marriage. I use that here in the program, and I now use that um, in my job. I'm no longer a principal at a middle school because part of it, I found out that that's not what I wanted to do. (laughs) I was doing that for my parents. My mother introduced me. I have two sisters who are attorneys, and so we're very high, you know, workaholics, educated workaholics, and she was introducing me as a principal when I was a teacher in, a, in the classroom because she knew that's what I was going to become one day. And so I wanted to make my mother proud, my parents proud. And yeah, I was a principal in a middle school, and it was the worst experience in my life. <laughs> I love work. I'm passionate about education right now. I'm an instructional coach. And so I go into classrooms and I help teachers with instruction. But I don't have to worry about the fire bell or the, the earthquakes. Oh, yeah, earthquakes. I'm trying to think. Or any of those things. The number of kids in the classroom or the number of teachers or the sub that is out of their mind. or You know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to do any of that. And I'm choosing. It's a choice, which my parents kind of don't understand because I'm not making as much money as I did, but you know what? Life is not about money. It's not, it's not the most important thing. The most important things to me today are my connection to my higher power and my ability to uh, work on myself, to focus on the things that I need to change in me, which I don't always realize, so that's why I have to have a sponsor so that I can be happy and I have a choice at serenity. All right, thank you all for inviting me to speak.